sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Father, you are the repository of all wisdom. You existed before the foundations of the earth, before our lives even came into being. I ask you for your wisdom and your counsel. I ask you for the grace to declare the whole counsel of God. Thank you for answers to our questions in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please sit down. We have also our dinner tonight. So. What are you supposed to do while you are in the wilderness? And how do you come out of it? I think I've answered that, Lady Pastor BM. I think I've answered that in the message, Surviving the Wilderness. You didn't hear the question. How do you come out of it? What are you supposed to do while you are in the wilderness? And how do you come out of it? I think it's answered on that message. But I would say that when you look at the example of the children of Israel. What were they supposed to do in the wilderness? The wilderness is a place of temptation, a place where there's no life, a place where you are likely not to see what God is doing or what he's about. But God at every juncture provided for them. And even he said at a point that when they take the manna, they shouldn't take some for the next day. They should just take sufficient for a day. So I would say that in the wilderness, you live one day at a time. In the wilderness, you walk by faith, not by what you see. Because you come to a place where there's hunger. You come to a place where the Egyptians are chasing you. You come to the place of thirst. You come to the place of conflict and all that. But your faith in God must sustain you. And also the Bible says Moses endured as seeing the invisible. So that was the first day's message and second day. So you must also see the invisible hand of God. And even in the wilderness, see his mercies. Because he still provides manna. He still gives water out of a rock. He still kept them so that their shoes never grew old, nor the clothing on their back. So just focus on his faithfulness, not on the events happening in your life. But focus on his faithfulness, and he surely will bring you through. But for an uh, in-depth whatever of that, then... You may have to get the message, surviving your wilderness. (laughs) What do you do when you are desperately seeking and praying for God's will to be done in your life and you still find you aren't in the right place? Now, if you say you already know that you are not in the right place, then I suppose that God has already spoken to you. (laughs) So you are not desperately seeking and praying for God's will to be done 
in your life. But sometimes and often, what we say is God's will, is our own will. That we have put a mantle of spirituality around so that it will look spiritual. But it's actually our own will. Like Judas, the Bible says, when the oil was poured on Jesus' feet, he said that this should have been given to the poor. And it was a good and noteworthy and notable reason. It's like he, he really cares about the poor. He really cares about the destitute and the down and out. And he really has a heart for them. But the Bible says he said that not because he, he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and a robber. So you may say the right things, but your reason for it may be something else. So if you believe that you are not in the right place, what is informing your decision? It is likely that offense is informing your decision. It is likely that you are not getting on with some people and you just, it is likely that rebellion or pride is informing your decision. That cannot be God. And that cannot be your leading. Do you understand? That means that you are not prepared to change anything and you want things your way. But God will humble you so that he can deal with you. So the fact that you may find it unpleasant doesn't mean it's God's will that you should check out. Okay, so you are not desperately seeking and praying for God because you have already come to the conclusion that you are in the wrong place. And may I recommend that you read the book by Bishop Daggett Mills, The Art of Hearing. And I believe that God will use that to lead you. If Jesus were to say, because I'm suffering in the garden, God's will for me has changed. That's not the reason. When you are suffering, you pray for grace to endure so that you will see the resurrection. Lady Reverend, I've been blessed by your message. The Bible says, whosoever shall put away his wife, I knew this one would come, except for fornication and many other, and marry another commits adultery. And whoso marries her, which is put away, commits adultery. Does this mean that a person should not remarry if they are divorced? Since the Bible says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, I would say that Christians have struggled with this topic for a long time. And even my husband and I have often discussed this topic. And one thing I know is that the Bible also says in 1 Corinthians 7 that if you have an unbelieving husband or wife and the person is pleased to stay with you, you stay with the person. But if the person wants to depart, then let him go. You are not bound. That's what the Bible says. So I think that where it's the person insisting that he wants to leave or she wants, then you are not bound. And I think that binding means you are not bound by these laws because you didn't perpetuate it. Do you understand? So that is my mind on that side. And then also what Christians ask themselves is divorce the unpardonable sin. We don't know. Is it an unpardonable sin? And then also this one says that he who divorces commits adultery. And he who marries, he who is divorced commits adultery. And it is also a big issue. And that is why sometimes when a pastor has married a divorced person, people say they are committing adultery. And in law, we have what we call a continuing offense. Some offenses are one-off, you do them. But continuing offense, for instance, if you write on a wall, something defamatory about somebody and it's not cleaned for two years. It's a continuing offense. You've committed the offense uh, two years. <laughs> so as a person is married, is he continuing the offense for two years? 
That's what the Bible is saying. And I'm not wiser than God. So I take that aspect, but I also take the part that a person is not bound. Because I have had situations where the women are begging, or sometimes the men, don't leave. It can work. Please, I'm going. I will never die. I don't want. I'm going. In that case, you are walking in unbelief. And you say you want to depart. The other person, is the other person bound? You know, so it's a very um, dicey area that I myself will confess that I do believe in this verse in Matthew, you know, but I also see other situations where it's not even you who is leaving. The person says, I'm leaving. And if after that, you should be married again, have you committed adultery? But I think the bottom line is that Malachi 3, God hates divorce. Or is it 2? Verse 14 and 15. God hates divorce. And look at even the complication in discussing it. Should they marry? Should they not marry? Should they go? Should they not go? Issues. And the complication even sometimes in our primary school. This one case, I had the custard. Why did she pick her up this afternoon? I didn't say. And they fight in front of the children. Sometimes a child is doing very well. Yeah, academic life just begins to dip when you find out issues. So we are just doing a school, but it has opened my eyes so much to these type of conflicts. So let's not be wiser than God, okay? But, and sometimes I've told the people you, sometimes I've told the people I cannot counsel you based on this and that and that. I have to stand on what I believe, and sometimes after that, they don't greet me anymore. <laughs> How important is it to marry a person with the right temperament? You marry who you are attracted to only in the Lord, but usually without knowing, you, you are attracted to the opposite temperament, usually. So you don't marry by choosing temperament that, as I'm this, this is what I need. It doesn't, who do you flow with? Can any two work except they be agreed? You know? So now I get, this question gets asked all the time on radio in Ghana. Which temperament should I marry? There's no such thing. Marry the person that you are attracted to and that you believe is in God's will for you. How does one avoid marrying someone who is not suitable for ministry? <laughs> the Bible says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So acknowledge him and you direct your path. And when he's directing the path, hear what he's saying. Don't wait for an ass to speak to you all the time. But follow what he's saying. And then also, sometimes you can't tell. So we do everything by faith. Marriage is by faith. If you are going to think, how many statistically speaking work? How many divorce? Which one will happen to me? How will it be? How will it be? It's by faith. Driving is by faith. If you are going to look at statistics, you won't drive. Crossing the road is by faith. Everything. That's why the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. But commit your way unto him. Psalm 37 verse 4. Trust also in him and he will bring it to pass. But some of us, we don't talk to God about anything to do with the person you want to marry. You don't talk to him about the future. And God will show you signs if you are willing to. And then also counseling. I have messages on all these things. How to. Find your partner. Amen. How to be found, how to be marriageable, all those ones. They will work for you. 
I'm a married woman and would like to know if serving God and married life can work without compromising. How do you know if your calling, which you have, haven't yet discovered, will be hindered? I believe that being a wife is also part of your calling. Because you will give an account of every deed done in this body. And Paul even talked about it to Timothy. That the young women should be taught to love their husbands, to love their children. That shows you that it's not always automatic. You married him because you loved him automatically. But as the life goes on, you need faith to continue loving him sometimes. And sometimes when you tell your children something, they are doing something else, it can affect your love. And so you have to be taught. Love, love is something you teach. It's not something you just feel. That's why I said the older women should teach. And not just any older woman, because some of the older women are bereft of romance, bereft of love, and bereft of forgiveness. The Bible says they should not be slanderers, they should not be given to wine, and they should be teachers of good things before they can teach you, not just age. Do you see? And then they can teach you to love. What was the question? Uh -huh, yeah, so you need to pray for grace to be able to balance both. The Bible has already told us that they that marry, shall, they mind how to please their spouses. But they that are not married, they, they mind how to please God. So once you have married, you should know that you are in that category. But God also hates a false balance, and you should be able to bring God into your kitchen, bring God into your cooking, bring God into your bedroom life, and let it be affected by the word. So yes, when you are single, it may be easier to serve God. But so some of you, you are single and you are so some way. So I wonder how you will be when you marry. My husband does not understand me. It's normal, oh? He does not give me pocket money. And when I get some, I have to account for the last penny. I can't bless anybody in secret. And I give offering. How do I survive? I think you should see your pastor. Because, of course, the two shall be one, but everybody has individual interests, individual things they want, individual people they might, they might like to bless. And maybe you, you are Armstrong, and your wife is the giving kind. So maybe you should see your pastor so that he will give, your husband will give you your money, and you operate your life within that, you know. And I don't know whether you work yourself, but surely you must have some liberty of what you want to use your money for and how you want to live. Surely he himself must have some liberty because you may buy a skirt and he may buy a golf club. Or he may buy a Bose speaker, which you don't want. So you may have to seek somebody he listens to to talk to him. How do you cope with a husband who easily gets angry? There's no room for any mistakes. He will shout and get into mood swings. He never says sorry even when we are courting. Oh, are you courting? What's courting? Can married people court? He never even apologizes when he's wrong. I have a problem. I have a feeling what you are dealing with is also maybe temperamental. He shouts at you. He has mood swings. He's very uh, 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 meticulous about everything, whatever. So he's probably melancholic, choleric. And he has a nasty tongue and all that. But you should also address it. 
But when we are addressing issues, we bring our emotions, we bring things that don't make sense, we add other things that are not part of the discussion, and it doesn't help. Somebody will say, but why are you telling you also always do? That's not what we are talking about, what you always do. We are talking about what has happened now. Do you understand? And you need to bring him back always to what the main point is. Because every time, you can easily beat around the bush, and you end up quarreling. Say, so, when you shout at me, I don't like it. I don't shout. Then the discussion is over. I don't shout. So when it says, okay, the way you speak to me, please change it. I should change it into what? So give them solutions. Use kind words. And whenever you are talking to me, speak peaceably unto me so that I can flow. I like my friends, beloved. <laughs> because he's a nice guy. But I don't love him. I don't love him. My friend, my friend noticed my closeness and reacts or goes quiet at times. What can I do? He's my shepherd, but I don't want trouble. At least you have bared your heart out. The Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. It also says, love does not insist on its own way. Now, if it were you, this seed that you are sowing, would you like it? You may say you just like it, but it starts with liking. And then it progresses into something else. Bible says, let every man know how to possess his own vessel. So I would say to you that he's your shepherd, all right, but bring a little space between you and your shepherd. And then allow your friend to flow with her relationship and don't be a hindrance to their relationship. My shepherd doesn't flow with me when I'm with my beloved, but gets close to him when and maybe it's the two. But gets close to him when we have a misunderstanding or argument. That is when they get in a long conversation. I'm amused, but I don't understand her. Uh, is a shepherd a, a lady? Report your shepherd to the higher authority. And also speak to your beloved to behave properly. I want to buy a house, but I'm still single. I'm afraid it will draw men away from me. Please advise me. I think you should buy it. Buy it, Kura. Remember the virtuous woman. She considers a field herself and she buys it. And you know something? That house may be a blessing even to that your beloved who is coming. It will help look after the children. It will help to build the home. So don't be afraid. Quietly buy it and move on. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why do lady pastors cut people off this list? When you make a single mistake, then you are deleted. How can you make such a general 
statement, but maybe you've had that experience from many lady pastors. When you make a single mistake, why don't you go back to that lady pastor you are close to and say, oh, lady pastor BM, I used to be very close to you, but now I feel deleted. Please take me back. That's all. You just solve it. And if you have a humble heart, you can be corrected. Your lady pastor can say to you, but you, you did this and that and that and that, you know. But anyway, oh, lady, lady pastor, forgive me. Then you move on. You see, but don't just say, I've been deleted, so I'll just stay here. And before you know, you are outside. That's how offenses begin. And please, may I plead with the lady pastors to be long-suffering like God. I introduced my friend to my husband. And now everything she wants, she asks my husband directly. And even now, advises him about me. She's my sheep, and I don't know what to do. I don't want to make her feel uncomfortable, but I don't know what to do. I think you should address it all. Without fighting, just tell the sheep that, oh, I introduced my husband to you, but now you are calling him directly, or I don't have any bad mind, but I'm not comfortable with it. So please change it. That's all. You see, but we, the way we've come here. Now tell me, who introduced my husband to you? And so, and so why that behavior? May I ask? Just address the issue. And try, but let me tell you something from experience. The fact that you address it doesn't mean the person will change. The person may grow worse. Because the person doesn't care. You know? So as you have addressed it physically, go into the realm of the spirit and begin to pray and believe God for a breakthrough. Amen. Why do, why do women find it hard to tell their worries to their husband? As it makes them look like a contentious or jealous woman. Uh -huh. I think that we are not perfect beings as women. And we also have our hang-ups. And one of the most precious things to a woman is her relationship with her husband or her beloved. And it's something she fights over, cherishes, and guards so much. And sometimes with our own insecurities... We also go overboard because sometimes, because of the way that other relationship is going, we feel very unsure, very disturbed, and we may not act properly. And so when it is like that, when we also go and speak to them, they don't understand. But I think the bottom line is men don't see the way we see. So don't go and share certain aspects of your heart with them. You will be disappointed. And it will lead to a quarrel. That is why Mary went to Elizabeth and not to Joseph. It would have complicated the matter. But she went to Elizabeth because often another woman can understand you. And she should be a godly woman who will give you good advice. Because some women will say, let's go. I will shake her up for you. Let's go. That's not what you need. you know. But they don't see the way you see. You know, and even when you think they are in danger, they feel they are very okay. What are you talking about? But know that it's God who keeps them. So you will say your part, but after that, commit to him who is faithful. And God will turn his heart towards you. And maybe sometimes on a lighter note, you say, hey, you two, you can make me jealous. Oh, the way you behave with the... Ah, so you are jealous? Yes. I have a problem. I'm jealous. So try, try. 
and then you are moving. But sometimes you make the atmosphere too tense. 55 reasons why you should not behave like this. The person cannot receive from you. Amen. Amen. I am sure there's a message for that, like too close for comfort, I think, sorts out some of those problems. Please, what do you do if you like a person's personality, but you are not attracted to the person physically? (laughs) Does this make you a carnal person? It could. It could. You like his personality. You like the content, but you don't like the packaging. But I would say that you must marry somebody you are proud of. Don't marry somebody you are ashamed of that. When we meet, you don't want us to meet him. You are going around. We don't know what you are saying. So marry somebody that you are proud of. And then also, remember that this may be God's blessing to you. What's the use of marrying something attractive that you can relate to? Or something attractive that you can't have a life with? What's the use? So decide what you want. Remember that you can't have it all. Okay, so decide which one you want and then flow with it. Amen. My husband wants us to leave to attend a different church. He prefers. I don't want to. What can I do? It is causing a lot of tension and arguments. It's one of the greatest challenges for me. But having grown up, I've also seen people who Husband is Anglican and the wife is Methodist and they seem to flow. So nowadays, I was discussing with Bishop, I said sometimes it's not a perfect situation. But what can you do? You know, there's a couple, the woman wants to live somewhere, the man wants to live somewhere, so they have decided that you can live here and you visit, and you too you can live here and you visit. And I was supposed to counsel them, so I was telling Bishop, it's not the best and other things can happen, children out of wedlock. It's not the best, but even God, sometimes he knows that it's not the best, but he puts you in his permissive will. It's not the best, but he just permits it to be. You see, so I am beginning to think that sometimes when it becomes so bad, the wife can be in the church that she flows in. We have people like that at the Kodesh, and then the husband can be in the church that he flows in, although... The ideal will be that you all flow in one church. But if you go here, you are not happy. He comes here, he's not happy. How are you going to solve it? Sometimes you need compromise. That's what I would say. I myself have not found all the answers. Because these are things that challenge me every day. I don't know all the answers. But this is what I can say for now. Okay. And also, what are his reasons for wanting to leave the church? Sometimes it's not sound reasoning. Do you also follow? And sometimes after that, with the passage of time, he may not even go to church anymore. I've seen it. And then you give up your everything and you are spiritually bankrupt. So you really need to pray for wisdom from God and also directed paths. And I pray that the Lord will be with you. Amen. And also stop arguing. Just... Just flow. Come to church with your children. Be happy. Flow. That's all. Hey, Reverend, you preached about carnality yesterday, and I know I can be very carnal sometimes. In a sense, I find it difficult to fast, and sometimes I have inappropriate thoughts about boys. 
How do I overcome this? Please help me. It's not on purpose, but it freaks me out. Because I don't want to think about anyone but Jesus. Help me. Lady Reverend, my one has desires to work for the Lord. I'm not sure if I want to get married. But I guess I would have to in order to enter into ministry. What is your opinion on this? Well, I would say that you can't prevent birds from flying over your head. That's what the thoughts they will come. But you can stop them from making a nest in your head. Amen. That's what Kenneth Hagin said. And you can decide what to think about. I keep saying the Bible has told us what to think about in Philippians 4, 8. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and any praise, think about these things. So decide to, even when you see a brother and you are having a problem, lasting over him and say that, oh, all this is, is not true. It's just the body. It's not leading me anywhere. You know? It's just a deception like the apple in the garden. It's just a deception. I mean, speak to yourself. Preach to yourself. The woman with the issue of blood, she said to herself, if I touch his garment. So learn to preach to yourself. And then exercise your mind to think about the right thing. It will take time. But you will get there. And God sees your heart's desire. And you are saying that you have to marry because of ministry. Not necessarily, but to go on missions. You may have to marry because... The Bible says in the book of Timothy that the old widows, the younger widows avoid. Because when they have grown wanton against Christ, they would like to marry. So you may say, oh, you don't want to marry, you don't want to marry. But when you go to the mission field, then you start blaming us that because of us, you didn't meet anybody. And that you knew that as we were being sent to Haiti, you wouldn't like to marry anybody in Haiti. And then, so we've had meetings on this. And we feel that to go on missions, no. But to be a lady pastor, to serve in the ministry, you can be single and still be here. Amen. Amen. Is it possible to have an ABMT school in each diocese? That is also accommodating to mothers. Thank you and God bless you. Please send me mail on that so that I can ask for you, okay? It's a good suggestion. I feel as if God is not with me sometimes. I'm very involved in church and I enjoy it, but I don't feel God personally. I'm even battling some things, but I really don't feel God as much as I used to. It's, it's a whole letter. It sometimes feels as if God is with everyone except me. And there just seems to be so many problems in my life. I've always had hope, but yeah, it seems that God isn't moving in my life. Please help me. Also, thank you for the gift of the notebooks. What do you, do you recommend for me to use it for? Bible notes when you come to church. God bless you abundantly from a certain lady. Well, your feeling that God is not with you is a very natural feeling. When I was growing up as a Christian, I felt like that sometimes. And I used to pray, God, why can't I feel you? And sometimes I would even weep. But God is not only to be felt by our senses, then he will not be God. He will be just an idol. Because every idol you can touch, you can feel, you can taste, you can smell. But he is God and he's sovereign. And you have to access him by faith. The Bible says, he that cometh to God must first believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of dead that diligently seek him. The Bible also says, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. So you have to focus on the things like when he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You meditate upon it and you activate your faith to believe it. 
And then with time, you will begin to feel even the presence of God, sometimes tangibly. Remember that you are not the one who also feels alone, alone. So Elijah felt alone. He felt that God had abandoned him. We all feel like that sometimes. But God is sovereign. And it's not your thoughts that make him or undo him. So you have to ask without faith. It is, uh, he, no. You have to access him by faith. Amen. Amen. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, to be close to him without faith. It is by faith that we are saved. So activate your faith life and stop thinking only logically. Wow. And I believe that you'll be able to activate that. How can a woman find a beloved without seeming or looking too forward or too desperate? Don't make it the only preoccupation in your life. Don't make it like if you don't have that, you can't live. No man is your oxygen. Don't make it as if because you don't have that, you, are, you have a disability or a shortcoming. But enjoy life. Enjoy the aspects of singlehood that are a blessing. And trust God. I know that sometimes when you are a certain age, it may not be easy not to act desperate. But acting desperate rather drives people away from you. So don't be so desperate. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Be nice and be open. And God will bless you. Amen. When it comes to humility in marriage, should, be, should it be only the woman? Why? Because they are flesh now. So why one side? They are one flesh now. So why one side? Well, I said that marriage has more at stake for women because the woman who is supposed to submit. So, and the man is the head. So that puts more at stake. But every Christian is supposed to walk in humility. James 4, 7. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you. So there's a verse that cuts across. But the type of humility in marriage more falls into the basket of the woman than the man. That's all I can another single lady cook for my beloved? <laughs> he claims they are friends, but I feel uncomfortable with it. Then he should just stop it. I mean, when you tell men, just stop it, they don't get it. And I've come to see that men are very convenience-oriented. Somebody to cook for me, clean for me. Oh, they'll use you fully. <laughs> fully. They are very convenience-oriented. You know? If you are not comfortable with it, discuss it with him. And also, why is somebody doing it? It's because you don't do it. <laughs> so you have created a vacuum. So try and learn. If you say he shouldn't eat from this beloved, uh, this friend, then you being the beloved, start practicing the cooking. Amen. And it will work. Look, food is the way to a man's heart. One of the ways. That's why Jacob stole Esau's blessing. It was just through food. Just through food. And as soon as Esau had, uh, Isaac had eaten and he was full, he poured out all the blessing. That's how it is. How do you have intimate relationships? I don't understand the question. I preserve my heart too much. Bible says to keep your heart with all diligence, but I keep my heart to the point where I'm able to cut people off easily. And I'm not hurt when something really bad happens. I find it hard to have close friends. 
and don't really trust people with my heart. May I, maybe I've been hurt before, and that, this is the result. But I'm not sure. I think this transcends into my intimacy with God, to which isn't like it used to be. Yes, I think you are wounded, and I think you are not healed completely. And every relationship will come with a risk. Every relationship, there can be betrayal, there can be disappointment, there can be whatever. But you have to be vulnerable to have meaningful relationships. God is very vulnerable by having a relationship with you. Sometimes you don't mind him. Sometimes for days, you haven't spoken a word to him. Sometimes when he's calling you, you say what? Johnny is calling me, you too. And all sorts of things. He has, the good, reason, he has good reason to be hurt. And yet he still continues to make himself vulnerable to you. If you want to have good relationships, you will have to be vulnerable. You know, so come out of your shell. And this scripture that you are guarding your heart does not apply to this behavior. <laughs> I'm in love with a divorced man. He wants to marry me, but I'm hesitant. I'm thinking it's a sin to get married to a divorced man. What would you advise me? I think I've spoken about that. What advice would you give to the safe church members? The older ones who are over 20 in relation to how to prepare for beloveds. I think I've preached so many messages. How to be found, how to be marriageable, your marriage vows, um, the seven realities of marriage, even the question and answer time. So make the messages available to yourself. What age do you advise you marry? Does God give you according to what you have desired? No, the desire should be twofold. Dr. Fred Price says that some women in his church were naming and claiming some men. When they say, I claim you as my husband. I claim you as my beloved. I claim you as... But God will not override his will. I mean, the man's will to just put you to, to the person. So you may claim the person, but the person is refusing to be claimed. Okay, and at what age? Usually, at a certain age, you are immature. And that is why even to vote or to drive or to hold a certain responsibility to be a president, it's all age-related. Because naturally speaking or usually speaking, by a certain age, you are supposed to have a certain type of maturity. It is usually across board with a few exceptions. So to lead a country in Ghana, you have to be at least 40 years old. And I'm sure there's an age limit here. Too. You can't just come and drive the country. 70, you say, I want to stand. You see, you, you, you are not even eligible to stand for people to. Your party cannot even nominate you. Why? So if I have ideas, I can rule the nation. You think so. But we know from experience that age has a way of tempering you. Age has a way of giving you wisdom. Age has a way of humbling you. Age has a way of making you mature emotionally. For me... Many people are emotionally not ready to marry. They can't handle the emotional pressures of marriage. Can you be emotionally disturbed and still go to work? Can you still be emotionally upset and still preach? Can you be emotionally upset and still cook for your husband? Can you be emotionally upset and still not keep him out in winter? <laughs> it takes a lot of emotional responsibility. It's not just, I like him, I love him, I, you know. So you need to be emotionally a bit more stable. And sometimes when I look at you, I know that you are not ready. You just feel you are in love. But it takes more than that. 
It takes financial responsibility. Look, and then you become emotionally responsible for your partner. You see, when you are beloved, she can be sad, whatever, or even not beloved. She can be sad, you will just comfort her. But when she's your wife, she's your emotional responsibility. Whatever happens to her affects you. What happens to your husband affects you. So the responsibility is a lot. So I don't think that there's a hard and fast rule, but I would say that allow yourself to mature a bit more because the pressures of marriage are not easy. You can easily not finish your school because you can't think. When it breaks your heart, you have a chemistry class. You cry throughout all the things the teacher is saying you don't hear. You are not mature <laughs> to handle the pressures of marriage. Having said that, some people also go overboard. Some people are superannuated in the beloved dozing. Do you understand? So, I think that there's no hard and fast rule, but maturity. You should be a bit more mature so that you can handle the pressures. How can a husband make her wife listen to him without her feeling she's being ordered to do a particular thing? By the way you say it, you are the husband and you are asking, by the way you say it, take it, bring it. What? Add, please. Add, honey. And soften, soften your voice a bit. And also, sometimes ask the person for her opinion. Not always do this. Go here. Audrey, what do you think we should do? How do you think we should go about Then the person knows that my input is important. But if every day you've made yourself policeman in chief, chief constable, every day go here, pass here, pass, it won't work. Okay? <laughs> A soft answer breaketh the bone and turneth away wrath. Sometimes, and the soft answer is not only for women. A soft answer is a soft answer. Amen. So even in the bedroom, before the bedroom, if you want your wife to bless you, speak to her nicely. These are the seats. It doesn't take much to please a woman. Little things. Which make a big difference. Sometimes it happens that you marry a guy, a Christian who is not from LCI. He may not be very interested in lighthouse activities. And your absence from home due to lighthouse activities is causing a bit of a problem at home. What do you do as a wife? These are the problems I spoke about. Because most churches are not working churches. You are just a congregant. You come. You are blessed. Whatever. But they are not laborers in the vineyard. As for lighthouse, there's work here. Hey! Sometimes I come from work at dawn. I can't even walk. And I don't know that my security guard can see. And about three times, he has to one day. I was coming, I couldn't, my limbs couldn't move. Just like that. And he said, Madam. And then when I turned, I think you should go and leave. <laughs> I said, Why are you saying that? I said, I think you need to go and leave. It's okay. Hey, yeah, it's okay. I've been advertised with a guy in the same church, LCI, but in different branches for two years. After taking the engagement list to my, from my parents and buying the stuff, he broke up with me for no obvious reason. It's like my story yesterday, isn't it? <laughs> Early this year, he came back, but then he doesn't want to talk about marriage anymore. So I've decided to break up with him because I'm scared he's wasting my time. I think he is. We love ourselves. So what do I do? Please, Lady Reverend, help me. Let him go and trust God for somebody who is really interested in you. 
If you don't lose, you don't gain. Auntie Mami, God bless you for your message to us so far. I'm a young lady. I would like to know how to flow more with my peers. Oh, okay. You mentioned yesterday that some people flow with pastors, etc., and also sheep and children, but not their peers. I think that's me. How do I flow? By flowing. <laughs> Just decide I'm going to look for my peers, and I'm going to start flowing with them. If you like, think about what am I going to tell them? I'm going to ask them how they find the weather. I'm going to tell them what I learned from daughter. I'm going to ask them if they would like the, one of the apples I'm holding. I'm going to, and then you start, and it will flow like a river. <laughs> Is it submissible? Is it submissible? I don't, when the husband wants it, sex, just when you are about to dress to go to church, <laughs> or during fasting, does it not obscure the spiritual atmosphere? Well, according to my husband, it enhances the spiritual atmosphere. According to my husband, the more you wait on God and the more you are hearing from God, you look so attractive. So before you leave, come, 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 let me bless you, come. It is also because we think of sex as a dirty and a bad thing. And we don't see how it, emerge, it merges with spiritual things. So we say, how can I do this bad thing? And then go and preach. I'm waiting on God. But it's a gift of God. It's God's idea, not ours. And it's God who made us this way. And his whole ambition in filling the earth depended on your sexual life. Can you believe it? So it's God's idea. So sister, just flow. It shows that you are very attractive. If you are a girl and you notice a guy you like whom you know is a single Christian in the church, what can you get, get him to do to get him to notice you? How to be found. How to be found. How to be marriageable. Okay? But always remember that, you see, you are dying over the person. The person doesn't like you. It's possible. So don't let your emotions go so much. I love somebody dearly. It seems you have that issue here. And the person also loves me dearly. As far as to get me pregnant. However, the person is having his wedding ceremony today. <laughs> as I'm writing this question... What do I do, Auntie Mommy? He's gone. He's married. Dead situations. Moses, my servant, is dead. Let dead situations go away and move on to the next chapter by the grace of God. And you also said the person loves you. You said the person loves you as far as to get you pregnant. The desire to get you pregnant is not necessarily love. Look, it's just passion and lust. But the men know that they have to say, I love you. Oh, you are the only pebble in my, my beach. Otherwise, you won't, you won't cooperate. So sometimes somebody can want to sleep with you. But it doesn't mean he wants to spend the rest of his life with you. Okay? So if he's married, please let him. But some of you are in the habit of, you are now calling him 
or hair, or when you have problems, then you will be calling that your ex-beloved. My wife did this, and my wife did that. Why? It's a very unhealthy thing. Why? Your ex-beloved is the only counselor you know in this life. And you, 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 you make her gloat over your wife's problems. You understand? She's happy that it's not working. Because it's like, you know, I was good for you. And then you didn't whatever. So please, the brothers, sometimes you, you behave in... Should I use the word foolish? <laughs> foolish ways. And also allow them to marry in peace, okay? Don't go and I'm calling him and we've been friends already and... He married today. May the Lord heal your broken heart. I'm 21 years old and have men coming for me from all areas. They have to be open. Some are around my age and others are 30 and above. I think you are a young person. My worry is that I may miss that person who I'm supposed to marry because there are too many around. Ah, you said you are 21 years old. I think what you are in essence telling me is that you practice some form of prostitution. Because you say they come for you from all areas. Hmm? Yorkshire, Derbyshire, everywhere. <laughs> all the shires. All areas. I want to tell you that you have to be a serious Christian if you are. And you have to believe God's word for your life. The Bible says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is not a kiosk. It's not a McDonald's outlet. It is where the presence of God lives. So have some dignity. Don't just open 24-7, you know. And now you say you want to settle down and marry. I think that your life is warped and you need help. So seek pastoral help. And also start to come to church. You hear the right things. And start to do the things that you hear. And start to read your Bible. And don't give yourself to all these men from all the areas. But let God preserve you for the one that is meant for you. And it will help you to even have self-esteem and self-dignity. Thank you for coming to share fellowship with us. May God give you more grace. Blah, blah. Thank you. What do you do if an LP in your church? Always ask to pick up, to pick her up her meetings. To pick her up for meetings and to drop her back home. Meanwhile, you have a family of your own. But she always wants you to do things her way, which sometimes conflicts with your family life. Whenever you say sorry, you cannot do it because of family issues. She becomes funny. Just tell her she will become funny, but she will recover. But it's better you speak the truth. At the times when you can help her, help her because it helps to help people who are doing God's work. But where it is conflicting sometimes with your schedule and your family issues, I am sure that if you say it nicely to her, she will understand. But if she doesn't understand, just do what you have to do and have a pure heart towards it. And I think that God will bless you. I'm an over 30-year-old lady, 32 years old, who is desperate to marry, settle down. I was born again just over a year ago. My issue is I am HIV positive. It has proven difficult to find a fellow. 
how do I go my, about my situation? You know, interestingly enough, I know of a couple in Ghana where the man had HIV. So he decided to look for another Christian who also has HIV, and they are married now. And they claim that they have either tied their tubes or whatever, so they will not have children. But the two of them have HIV. The two of them are away, and they are flowing. So you may have to find an HIV partner so that you don't infect somebody unknowingly, because that also is unkind, but it happens. It happens. It happens because I've seen it happen. I have seen people meet casually in the church and just from there straight to a motel to sleep. And the guy had HIV. I don't know whether the girl has it. I've not asked her, but it could easily be. I know people sometimes they are close to me. They have HIV. They've come to tell me they've met a sister. They want to marry her. That's why. And meanwhile, you're also 40 and above. And the sister is 21. And the sister came also giggling a lot. <laughs> he says he will marry me. Hey. <laughs> but upon further whatever, the man said, but I've been sleeping with her before I was even diagnosed. So I might as well marry. So maybe you should marry somebody like that. And I mean, that would be it. Yeah. Because I've seen it happen. I know what I'm talking about. But don't be, don't be heartless and infect other people. And also let us live by God's word. It's just to help us. God doesn't want to steal pleasure from us, lock us up, make us stiff and rigid, but he just wants us to express our pleasure in the right context. So let's obey God. Let's believe that our bodies are temples. Let's believe that the power of God that raised up Jesus from the dead can also steal your emotions and your passions and your lusts by the grace of God. And also do practical things that don't lead you into sin. And I trust that God will help you. What if you don't want to marry, but everyone else thinks you should marry? What do you do? Don't marry. What do you do with the marriage proposal down because you know that it is not the will of God? How do you cope with the aftermath? You cry, you wipe your tears, and you go on living. Because Christianity also involves suffering. If you have been seeing someone and about to get married, the person claims he believes in God, but has never been to church, what do you do? Don't be deceived, sister. By their fruits, you shall know them. So God is showing you clearly that he is not a Christian or a born-again Christian or a serious Christian. Please do not stake your life on him. Do you go ahead and marry him and pray that he comes to know God? I wouldn't advise it. Sister Mommy, what's the best way to deal with finances in marriage? My husband starts acting funny whenever I need to send money home to my parents. Yet he's schooling his younger sibling back home. He accuses me of trying to be the good girl at home. It is my money that I send anyway. I've resorted to sending my money home via Westy Union in secret. Please help. I want us to work together in this area, but he's so selfish. Well, if it's your money... It's true. If you are sat down, you've sat down to explain to him, he doesn't understand, and his money is not in it. It's your money of what you want to do for your parents. I would say, go ahead and do it. You know, go ahead and do it. Because he's also doing the same thing, but to a different side of a family. 
So go ahead and do it. Or find out why he's against it. Maybe he feels that you don't take care of certain things, but you... I know whether by saying he's schooling, you mean you are also looking after him through school. You know, and if you can afford it and it's working for you, why not? If not. If that is not all, you know, these things don't say all the facts. So sometimes I say something and it's skewed because you didn't give me all the facts. So then maybe you should follow up with pastoral counseling. Would you say that somebody was born an eunuch if they have not had anyone interested in them and the person is over 30? No, the eunuch is you. It's not the person. <laughs> it's not the person coming to you. You are the one who may be born an eunuch. You are the one who decides to be an eunuch for the kingdom of God's sake. You are the one who becomes an eunuch because you are made an eunuch by men. But it's not that the person sees you. <laughs> no, no, no. So, I'm over 30 and there's no sign of any beloved coming their way. Please help. I would say that it's not always very easy to find a beloved. But look in your life and ask yourself, has somebody not proposed to you? It is likely that some people have proposed to you, but you just look down on them. Or you think that it's not my type. But men can be worked on all. You pick the stone from that mud, clean it, put a nice shirt, trousers, and Louis Vuitton shoes. <laughs> I know why I'm saying what I'm saying. And the person can become nice, you know. And I would keep saying that, you know, how to be married, Jabu talks about that. Some people want to be met, but they don't go where people are. The well is a place where people always met in the olden days. Jesus went there. The woman came at a time when people don't fetch water, but usually it's the well. When Moses was going to Jethro, he didn't know where he was going. It was at a well. When Jacob arrived on his way to Laban, his uncle, it was at the well. It's at the well, a meeting place of people. That's where you meet people. So, but some of you, as soon as church closes, you are going. How will we know you before we will even beloved those you? You are so stiff, so boring. So work on your people's skills. It may also help. Amen. My question is in relation to the church being an international church. And I have a lot of problems with the language issue. I find that the pastor talks to some church members in Ghanaian language. He should rather be discouraging that, but he talks to certain people in Chi in our presence. What should we do? Pastor, change, okay? When it's in the presence of other people, it's a bit rude. They don't understand. You laugh at jokes. They can't flow. So try and change and speak in English. I had this problem in the question and answer time in the States. And I also said to them that also sometimes, the reason why the pastor may not be speaking a lot of English is he's limited. Does not feel comfortable. So as soon as his comfort zone comes, he switches. <laughs> I'm not saying it's right, but I'm giving you an explanation. And then also, sometimes they don't have any hard feelings, but they just forget that you are around. So, of course, it's not right, but I will tell you that please be merciful. And remember that blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. But as I've spoken here, I believe your pastor is changing. And also sometimes, ask your pastor, Pastor, what was that? Pastor, what does it mean? Pastor, what does, like Lady Pastor BM, she doesn't understand the word of God. She has come to live in Accra all these years. 
everything she doesn't understand, you know. So when they are speaking and she's just moving, they are just, she doesn't understand anything. She's asking always for explanations for try things. So you have to make the effort sometimes, but not necessarily three. It's an international church, so you should be able to inhabit everybody. But I'm saying that to say that even sometimes other Ghanaians don't also speak three, which is what you don't realize. Because in Ghana, there are many dialects. So some people don't speak three at all. So you may think the Ghanaians are speaking, but it's only the three speaking Ghanaians who are gathering. There are many Ghanaians who do not also speak three, you know, and, and, and also need translation and interpretation. So you are not the only one. So have mercy and I pray that it improves. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank God for coming to share the word with us. It was eye-opening. I really admire your depth in the word and would like to know how long you spend studying God's word on average. How many hours of prayer do you recommend for growth? Mercy. Well, in Lighthouse, we say that based on the Lord's prayer pattern, every Christian should pray at least one hour a day. Okay, and then I would say that um, hmm. many times when I'm even going for a conference, I don't know what I'm going to speak about. Sometimes I just want to hear from the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't even know, but God just shows up, you know. And also, I've been a Christian for a long time. And you may be a young person. I've worked with the Lord for a long time. So it's many years of memorization of scripture, quiet time. So don't give up on yourself. You're also starting from somewhere. One day when you are my age, you may also be able to preach and divide the word the way I do. And I would also say that it's hard work. Preaching is hard work. And I really try by the grace of God to study a lot, to find out what is God's mind on this. And then also to read a lot of resources, like I read a lot of Bishop's books. I listen to his messages, and I also do a lot of Bible study. The Bible study is hard. It's a lot of work. Sometimes I have to compare this version to this version, but by the grace of God, it's something I love to do. So I think that also helps me. But start with your quiet time. Memorize the scripture have a day when you have a Bible study, no matter how short, maybe every Wednesday on something short, you know, and let it sink into your heart. And then you build your investment slowly, slowly, and steadily. It's not by any magic wand. And as you have that thirst, God will answer it. Yeah. From when I was a young girl, I came across this man. Who now, to my understanding, they had engaged me in sexual activities. They had. I realized I also passed it on to my girl cousins and one male cousin and also to my little brother then. I'm now born again, trying to do my best. I've also prayed and asked God for forgiveness. But I sometimes worry and wonder if I'm not cursed. For the Bible says anyone who commits incest, over 13 years on and married, I'm afraid for my salvation. This is the first time I've ever mentioned it and wonder what the people involved remember. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. There's no scenario in the Bible that has not happened before. Remember Amnon and Tamar. He raped his own sister. That is not to say it's right, but the mercy of God 
reaches to all our mistakes, all our, our things that we should be condemned for. And even reading this, I feel so sorry. Before I feel sorry for you, I feel sorry for the people involved. Your little girl cousins, your little brother, all that. I agree with you that it's awful. But the Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. Don't hold on to the former things. Let it go and let healing come. Paul was a murderer. He was forgiven. Everybody in the Bible, if you seek repentance and forgiveness, God will come through for you. It's been 13 years since you've been married. Allow the past to die and reach out even to what lies ahead and use your experience to bring more people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. What is the age range when one is in her flowery age? You spoke about being international, but I don't think that people understand what international church is in regard to language. I think we spoke about the language bit. And then my first question, what is the age range, the flower of your age? The flower of your age is when you are receiving a lot of proposals, when many people seem to be interested in you, and then... It's usually around the university era, the early years of when you are working, and after a while, it's no more. I don't know what age you people will put it to. 22 is really the peak. 22, 19. Hey, and how you feel cool. I'm a married woman, and my husband does not come to church often. The problem I have is he doesn't allow me to pay tithes. He said he doesn't believe in paying tithes. What do I do? Do what you believe. I tried to explain to him about the importance. He doesn't even come to church. He's likely not to understand the importance. But you know the scriptures. And you know why. So work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You do have to work out your own salvation. Not having a father around for 27 years, I struggle to relate and receive a father in my life. How can I go about changing this and opening myself up to this possibility? Start with small steps towards accepting the fact of fatherhood. And pray to God, because God is also a father. And if you had terrible relations with your earthly father, you are likely not to have that good view of God as a father. So pray about it and start with small steps, you know. Read maybe my father, my father, things that will stir up that in you. And then decide to take small steps and see the small steps become giant steps. I struggle to share a room and get frustrated in tight spaces. How could I cope in a marriage situation? It's part of the humility. <laughs> I want to get married, but as a single person, I'm worried about this situation. Then buy a bigger house and have more space. But when you start life, you may not be able to afford that. And what happens is we are so stuck in what we want that we will not compromise we will not bend anything. We will not end. Life is not like that. Do you see? So choose between marriage and a small space, okay? <laughs> I would say you should learn to compromise. Be malleable. I'm a young university student who sings in the choir and I'm active in church. There's a young lady who joined the church about two months ago who has approached me and says she loves me so much. She <laughs> wants to be in a relationship. She does not want me to tell anyone in the church. I'm confused because she stops coming to church when I tell her I'm not interested. What should I do as I don't want to be the cause of her not coming to church? Brother, you are not the sacrificial lamb of God. 
The price has been paid already by Jesus. You are not now going to be put on an altar and slaughtered. And you are not a personal Holy Ghost to bring anybody. So if you don't want her stopping her church services, get a shepherd who is not you. Get a lady shepherd who is not you to get involved in her life. But you are not the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And let her go. Amen. I bet she's attracted to you because you are on stage. You sing in the choir. People are always attracted to that, whether it's secular or religious. Okay? So, flee, brother. Is it bad not to marry just because you don't feel like? Why does the Bible... Why do the Bible... Why does the Bible always say my son and not my daughter? That's a good point. <laughs> because in those times, women were not even counted. And whatever was said as my son was gender inclusive. Do you understand? It was supposed to be gender neutral. When they say son, it applies to you too. So see that. But now I hear feminists are writing the Bible. And they have made God a woman. <laughs> but the Bible already says male and female made he them. And that he made us in his image, male and female. So God has already acknowledged that. He has all the sexes combined. Do you understand? Everybody is part of him. But it is true that most of the things are my son. Uh, incline your ear to my sayings. My son. But also Solomon was writing to his sons. Because in those days, kings were uh, um, succeeded by sons. You know, and not women. So if you look at the book of Kings, all the kings were male. So if you're advising your people who are going to take up a mantle in life, they were sons, you know. And even in the uh, New Testament, sometimes they don't say, my daughter. But the Bible does have like, honor your father and your mother. But usually, the mother doesn't come in. We bring honor your father, and then we cut off the mother. But some of the times, the Bible does say, you know, so many things are gender inclusive, so don't be worried. Does the definition of marriage that was preached really exist? And how possible? Did I define marriage? Does the definition of marriage that was preached really exist? It does. I don't know what you mean, but. And how possible? Why are women always second? Ah, submission. Why are women always second? You know what? When God created, he said everything was good. The only thing he said was not good was a man should be alone. So when he realized that he created us, so we may have been second, but without us, his creation was not complete. You know? So we may have come after man, but with, think about it. Without women, what would the world be? They will not even be able to produce after their kind. Do you understand? So yes, but remember that in the book of Genesis, a woman, the Bible says that there will be enmity between Satan and the woman. And the woman's seed and the woman's, uh, Satan's seed. So yes, women are under attack spiritually because of our potential and our influence. We are the ones that are in direct line of Satan. Some, are, some of these things are some of the attacks. But being secondary or being submissive does not make you less of a human being. It's just so that 
things can flow in order. And there can be, because the Bible says that, just as it says a wife submit, it says that husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself to it. So your husband is supposed to give your, himself to you selflessly and completely. Just like Christ. So in fact, it's the brothers who are falling short. But submission does not make you a secondary person. You submit to your boss at work. You submit to uh, uh, IRS laws. You, are, you, you submit to HMS and custom. You submit to so many things, but you don't say you are secondary. You know, it's, it's just to allow government because there cannot be two heads in anything. Anything that has two heads is a freak. So renew your mind because that's what the world says. This is a serious question. All the questions are serious. What do you do if your husband doesn't want to go down on you in the bedroom? You need to have a discussion with him, a UN meeting. I don't understand all of it. And then you need to get a pastor to counsel him. My beloved spends too much time with his sheep, who is a girl, and she too likes him. Every time I confront him, he gets angry. I want to ask him if he likes her. Is it a good idea or not? And should I continue talking to him about it or ignore it? This is making it hard for me to flow with the girl. Am I wrong? It's very normal. He's not likely to agree with you. He's not likely to cooperate with you, even though it may be true. But tell him how you feel. And tell him what you, that it's true that the person is his sheep, but he should tamper it with a bit of restraint. But be careful because he can easily tell you that you are fighting his ministry. And then also as you are not married, ask yourself whether you can cope with such things because it is likely to be a major battleground for you. But I do agree that brothers sometimes act inappropriately towards the opposite sex. But it's not your talking a lot that will change them. It's your saying it and then believing God and praying that would change things. Because remember that sometimes he doesn't see things the way you see things. And he doesn't uh, conclude on things the way you conclude. And then also, let us work on our own insecurities sometimes. Let us work on our own fears. And the brothers, please protect the relationship. Don't leave your marriage or your beloved uh, relationship so open to attacks and to the weather. Be a covering over your wife and over the woman that God has placed in your life. And ask yourself, if she were to flow with another man in that way, will you be okay? So the thing is, it's a bit dicey and it's double-ended. Just wanted to say, you are a woman who I admire. Hmm. Beauty on the inside and out, wisdom from the Lord. I don't have any questions. What do I do if my husband smokes and is still smoking? <laughs> Even though before we got married, he swore ah, that he, he, was, he has stopped. <laughs> ah, but where have you been? When a man sees the prize, he will tell you everything you want to hear. Oh, I'll go to church with you when we marry. 
Oh, I'll join your church. I'll join your ministry. Uh, because there's something he's hunting for. Do you see? But when he gets it, he will change. So why do you take a man's word like the infallible word of God? Why? It's only the word of God which will not pass away. Everything else. So he swore that he will not smoke because of you. And now you have married and he's still smoking. That's how it is. And just trust God that God can touch his heart to change. I can't handle the smell. Oh, didn't you know? I have the same situation in one of our churches. I have the same situation where the lady cannot stand the smoke. But when she was married, she knew. And she's asthmatic. So it really affects her. And the guy will not stop. So what she was saying is, can I divorce him? I said, it's not in the Bible. You can buy a bigger house and have two rooms. But <laughs> How should a woman handle her marriage, especially when her husband does not find her attractive anymore because of weight gain? You should work on your weight. I agree. But some women have still lost weight and the attraction has not come. So sometimes they themselves are already some way. It's not always the weight. So if you think, oh, I'm really going to lose weight, and now he's really going to find me attractive, and then you can easily set up yourself for disappointment. But lose weight for your own sake. Lose weight to look smarter, and lose weight for your health's sake. But don't lose weight for his sake, because he may still not... I have this brother who is currently married by paper arrangement, but has proposed to marry me, stating that his relationship with this lady has no strings attached, as it was purposely for whatever. He proposed once and left me impregnated. And left me to impregnate another lady. And now married to this woman. Ah, What should I do? Nothing. Do I accept or reject? Oh. Reject. Oh. Is it not an obvious answer? Reject. You deserve better than this. Amen. What if you have found a beloved outside church and you think he's the right one for you, but he's still on foundation with God? What does that mean? <laughs> he is still on foundation. What does it mean? I, he hasn't taken off yet in his walk with God. I would say that how do you know whether the foundation will be solid? Whether it will be built on? I mean, why do you put your life at risk? So what you can do is you can leave him to grow in the Lord. And if he's still interested in you, it will work. But don't decide on this foundation stage. You know, at this foundation stage because he may never progress to grow in the things of God. He's on the foundation. Mercy. My husband deprives me of sex. For protocol reasons, I would doctor this question. I've, tried, I've left some things out. I've tried talking, but it falls on deaf ears. What do I do? You are amazed there that they are sisters like that. <laughs> we say in Lighthouse that you must watch the sexometer to see how often a man and a woman get together. And you must also query in infidelity 
at a certain point on the sexometer. So you may have to open your eyes and begin to see what is really going on. I'm not saying be suspicious, but I'm saying that don't just sit like a lame duck. I mean, do something to find out what really is going on. And then if you, are, you say you talk to him, it has fallen on deaf ears. Look for a superior authority to speak into his life. Amen. Sometimes to maybe you to you bluffed. So now he's also gone off. Then now you are saying, no? How do you know which man is the one? How do you cope sexually after divorce? Just like you cope before marriage. The Apostle Paul said, I keep my body under and I let it serve me. The Bible says self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. We can't do it on our own, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can control yourself. And that is why before you marry, God teaches you self-control. And you don't know that even when you marry, that self-control will help you. So if you are divorced and sexually you are struggling, huh, you may have to get married to contain the burning. Do you see? But don't just get married on the spare of the moment. What happens is people divorce, but they never sit down to take stock of their lives to see what went wrong with them. They always say it was the other fellow. But what was your contribution? And they don't change. So when they marry, it happens again and again. And it's like a vicious cycle. But on the part that belongs to you, it may have been 90% his fault, but even if it's 1%, it's still your fault. So work on that by the help of the Holy Spirit so that when you remarry, you would have taken care of something. That is why the statistics go higher. The probability that it won't work with multiple marriages go higher because we never work on our issues. We always feel it was the other party. But if we work on our issues, then it will be well. So it's better to marry than to burn, I would say. But do it at the right time and walk in self-control. Why don't the pastors organize a singles night between branches? Pastors, good idea. Can I fancy a younger brother from church? Mercy. Means that the person is younger, but I want to go out with the person. Well, I don't usually subscribe to that. Because, listen, even the Timothy group meeting I had, Look at the men. When I said, raise your hands, how many of you would like to marry 21-year-olds? It went up. <laughs> so age is not something set by God. But sometimes when the difference is too much, it can be a problem. Now he will tell you, I love you. I love... Later, he will say that, hey, why did I bring this old woman to my house? When I look behind my window, I see younger ones pass. They are my type. <laughs> Marriage makes you settle down to the mundane and to the ordinary. And people have problems in such things. So it is not advisable. And the one is your birthday. You've turned 50. And he's 46. <laughs> I'm not saying there's anything wrong by God, but it is not advisable. Now he has to throw a party for you. And then his friends are coming. Hey, Charlie, so your wife, what's her age? Her wife. <laughs> All these create embarrassing situations. And so I would not advise it personally. Paul said some of the things I am saying, but it's based on my experience and the mercy that God has given me. I'm from a different country, not Ghana. My problem is I don't have a friend in church because everyone seems to be friendly but not genuine. 
Oh, I feel like that because we had a party organized, but no one came. Did you invite them? Meanwhile, when programs are organized in church and for people, I do go. But for this, my friend, we are both in church. Only one person came. I feel discriminated against. Please help. Well, if I were here, I would come to your party, you know. Maybe you didn't organize properly. And you didn't invite properly. And sometimes when we invite, we just assume that people will come. But people feel that you have invited so many people that if they don't come, it won't affect the party. But let them know how much it means to you that honestly, you guys, I'm going to cook, I'm going to provide for you, so please come. And maybe next time you should do an RSVP so that those who will come will confirm and those who can't come will also confirm. But it cannot be that the whole church, nobody came. I don't think that was their heart. So forgive them, okay? It's a class in forgiveness. So take it and pass. And organize the party again, okay? And they will come. They will come. I am in one of the branches. But I don't feel as part of a family. Because I feel left out. I think we have to look at this thing and work on it. When... Breaking bread, they tell me to bring my country food, but no one eats the food. I know, it's true. I know. Now, I will speak from the perspective of a Ghanaian. We have so many different Ghanaian dishes. Now, if you asked me to bring something from my country to um, an event and I brought palm nut soup it will be Ghanaian alright but not everybody may be able to flow with it or if you invited another Ghanaian and he brought bat because some tribes eat bat meat and he brought bat meat no one would eat it including you and then you would say that everyday you bring the bat but they don't eat it so sometimes you make meals that are not international. You see, there are some meals that are easier to eat, even though they are Ghanaian, like jollof rice. So look in your country's food and choose something that will have more of a Catholic appeal. Catholic means more universal. Do you see, ask people, what exactly do people like? What do, you will by all means find a dish that is easier to eat. But when you bring the very difficult and indigenous dishes from your country, it will be difficult. Even though I'm Ghanaian, there are some indigenous foods that I may not be able to eat if I went to a Ghanaian function. So maybe your choice of what you bring is too indigenous. But choose something that is easier for everybody to partake of. And I think that it will be a blessing. Amen. And also, I told the Ghanaians this afternoon to try to be a bit more international. You see? And don't look so scared when you see things you are not used to. And make very uh, derogatory remarks. And sometimes you take your fork and you are like, what is this? 
What is this? What did you put in? It's very bad. So on behalf of the Ghanaians, we apologize. And we pray that they will flow. <laughs> but thanks for letting us know. Because I think that it's a healthy thing. Hey, is it the same thing? No, it's another person. She says that when I have programs, I don't get support at all. Programs where? Or if I'm organizing a program, nobody really wants to help. But if a different person is organizing a program, they get help. I'm married to a man from Ghana. I'm not from Ghana. And I've tried my best to fit in. But every time I get so discouraged. <laughs> what can I do? I need help. Because I feel left out in the house of God. Where I thought I'm supposed to get help. In the church, people talk in their native language. And sometimes forget that I'm there. Please help. I feel like I'm not a part of the church. God bless you. <laughs> Amen. Pastors, you have to address this issue. And she's saying that she's in one of the branches, but she doesn't feel a part. I think that as much as people have to let you feel at home, you yourself, the honest is also on you to feel at home. So don't be too... Um, cautious, conscious of yourself. Just flow with people. Get to know them. Flow with them. Don't always wait for people to come to you. He that will have friends must first show himself friendly, says the Bible. Amen. I can also be your friend, if you like. If a man is interested in you and your pastor doesn't want you to marry him because he wants you to marry another brother and the relationship with my pastor is now suffering, and I really love the man, and he's also in the church. What can I do? Follow what you want to do. <laughs> Isn't it? God doesn't even force us about anything. God says, you have free will. Choose. So your pastor may advise you, but you have free will. You say you love this one. We've talked to you, whatever. Go and be happy. We'll support you. Okay? Hey, Reverend, during your preaching, you talked about fear being one of the reasons why people don't get married. I'm one of those, Lady Reverend. My fear comes from past disappointments and serious hurts. The Holy Spirit is very real. I admit that I was wrong because in my last relationship, because I had a relationship with an unbeliever, but Lady Reverend, some men can be so cold and heartless. My problem is, even as a believer, I am still so afraid. The fear is so strong that now I have actually built a fence. That is to pretend to be busy when I know very well a brother is sticking around to speak to me or something. I do want to marry. What can I do? Please advise me. <laughs> Amen. You said I should advise you. I think that you should believe God to overcome your fears. And there's a message I have preached, daughter, don't be afraid. And I think that if you listened to that message, even if they don't have it, you can order it. Daughter, don't be afraid. I preached it in Switzerland some years ago. I think that it will teach you about fear. And one of the ways in which God confronts things is, the Bible says that Jesus, who through fear of death, was people were through fear of death subject to bondage all their lives. So what happens is, they decide to face death in the face. So when people say, I'm afraid to stand on stage. 
How do I overcome it? I said, just go and tell yourself whatever should happen, should happen. Whatever will happen, should happen. I'm going up the stage. Whether I shake, whether I don't care, I'm going. And when you do it, you break the power of fear. So decide that how you, you say a brother is sticking around to talk to you, but you have intentionally made yourself busy. What, oh, I'm coming in. Hey, lady, pastor, do you want me to do something for you? No. It's all because. So when you see that brother is sticking around to speak to you, stop the business and fellowship with him. You won't die. After that, you will see that you are still standing. So do the things that you are afraid of. That's how to overcome fear. I've been married for almost two years now. My husband has the tendency to look at other women. When out, it could be anywhere in the car, shop, bus stop. <laughs> I get so amazed. He wants another child. But if I react as I do now, how much more with the pregnancy hormone? It makes me... Sad. He's admiring the gift of nature. Men look. Men have the tendency to look. That is why they can see a Chinese lady and they will look. I'm not saying Chinese ladies are not human, but from a far away continent, they don't know the language, culture, anything. But when they see a picture of her, they can, they tend to look, they tend to look. But of course, a lot of Christian men also use self-control. But in Ghana, and I'm sure it happens here too, they can look around, they'll go into a gutter. <laughs> you can speak to him about your concerns. But I would say that sometimes some things, by overlooking, they go away with time. You understand? They just go away with time. But if you make it your obsession, it can drive you. And later, you'll even be a mental patient. Because you'll be so obsessed with this that you'll go around the bend. Again, I recommend the, the trap of obsession. What's the title? Don't be obsessed. Don't be obsessed. And I think that that would also change your life. How do you humble yourself? By doing it. Yes, the Bible didn't say pray for an angel to humble you. Pray for God. It said humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. So you just think about yourself in a humble way. Because that is what Jesus did. You know, he humbled himself unto obedience. Unto death. Even death on the cross. So it's a way. The way you think. Who being in the form of God thought it not. Thought it not. So it starts with your thought life. So think about yourself in a humble way. And then you'll be able to flow in a humble spirit. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. It's your thought life. If you are praying about accepting a proposal and God seems silent about the issue, do you assume it's not his will? Ah, how can God seem silent? He will give you inner peace if it's of his will. I mean, how to know the will of God? So listen to the art of hearing. Should you go on praying about it? You pray about it and you commit your way unto him and God will direct you. If chemistry, etc., are not really important, I didn't say they are not important. I said they can be stirred up and it can come. After you have said, yes, let's try it. How can you identify a soulmate if you say chemistry is not? 
Are there any keys to recognizing them in case you don't want to go wrong? Well, so many things. A, pe a person you get along with, what's the person's vision? In what direction are you going? Can you stand the few shortcomings of the person that you see? Because it's not going to change. Only the Holy Ghost is agent of change. And so many things. So, that's how you can make it always impact greatly on my role as a wife. God richly bless you. In view of Amos 3.3, why isn't there a similar conference for the men? My husband wants me to ask this question for him. He's babysitting, hence his absence. <laughs> By proxy. He believes that it will greatly help lots of husbands. Oh, but I, the question is not... Ah, the men's ministry. Well, it came up in Accra, and we talked about it. And my husband said to the pastors that, my wife has been telling me to have a men's ministry a men's meeting and I've told her that if she gives me the topics I will do it because I don't know what I don't preach about in my preaching or at camps so I don't know what I'm going to preach about but if she gives me the topics I'll preach about it and so it became a debate yeah does he answer men I answer everything I talk about marriage I talk about relationships I talk about the bedroom so then people were saying ah, maybe when it's cut out for do you remember? This year, just recently. Yeah. So it has come up, but he says that if I give him the topics that he's supposed to come and treat, that he has not treated already, he will have it. But I think keep praying. It may be nearer than when you first believed. Amen. But I have had a men's meeting, and it went very well. They invited me, and they keep inviting. I mean, in Lighthouse, all the male pastors, they came, and I had a meeting with them. And it went very well. And they gave me a lot of revelations that they will not tell their wives, you know. And they praised their wives in a way that they don't when they're around, you know. So I think that's make up. If there's a brother in church you like and think he could be your husband, how would you approach? It's the same thing. It's the good thing is found. It's not a good thing that goes to find, okay? So, yes, you make yourself accessible and approachable, but know that. Because you may like the person. The person may not like you. You see, I had a, a guy like that in my life. I don't like you. I mean, <laughs> to even bring him to Christ, I literally had to pray. God, help me. Help me to want to witness to him. Because he was the youth leader of Buddhists in Ghana. And he was my sister's friend, and my sister was my roommate. He used to come and visit my sister. And I felt the Lord was saying, I should witness to him. So I even told my sister, Are this your friend? I don't like his looks at all. I don't know him. As soon as I see him, something. I don't like his looks alone at all. But I prayed, and I believe God touched my heart. And so I witnessed to him on one occasion when he came. My sister was not there. He gave his life to Christ. And he's a Christian up to today. And then... I decided to go and visit him in his hall and give him follow-up, you know, our daily bread. That is, in those days, that's how I did my follow-up. So when I come and visit you, sometimes I will bring you a, a sausage roll, a packet of biscuits. And that was my way. <laughs> and then one day he came just before a meeting and told me that um, what I feel, that's how he also feels. I said, hey. That what? <laughs> Said, oh, the way 
you are in love with me. That's how I'm also in love. And I had a beloved, though. So I said, ah, I'm not in love with you at all. And then he said, oh, mommy, don't be shy. Come out with it. I said, hey, shy. And you know, these days I've even become bolder, but I couldn't face people. So I said, oh, brother, I almost mentioned this name. I said, oh, brother, don't say that. I have a beloved. I said, oh, no. I was going to Baum Library. That's a university library. And your friends came to pass by me to go to the law faculty. And when they saw me, they pointed. They said, hey, that's my Miss Guy. I said, my friends. Which friends? Mention them. <laughs> I don't have any friends. So, no. I mean, it's like the person is forcing to say that you like him. I said, maybe you like me, but I don't like you. So anyway, after that, we went for a Calvary Road meeting. Of course, he's a convert, so we have brought him to the... So because he and I were coming from the meeting together, we sat together. Meanwhile, Bishop is the overseer. He's my beloved. And you say, I love you. That's we sat. When they finished the meeting, they said, turn to the person next to you and say, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Hey! Shabaya boom, boom. I said, hey, but what type of message is this? So I didn't even say it. It came to pass that we went home. And then he used to go and visit Bishop. So we went to visit Bishop. And he said that, you know, Sister Adelaide, how she's spiritual. And she has brought me up to this point. But the last time I was in her room, she just insulted me. That's why we're not married. So when I came to Accra, my husband said, hey, this brother, he says, you insulted me. I said, me? About what? He said, you told him that there's nothing about him from the head right down to... <laughs> from the head right down to the toe that inspires you and that even to witness to him, the Holy Spirit had to do a work in you. I said, but it's true. <laughs> oh, but you don't have to say that to a new convert. I said, no, he's getting ideas. So I have to tell him as it is because he's forcing me that I like him. You know, and I'm telling you, I don't like, you are talking. And I said, look, brother, from the, the very tip of your head to the very sole of your foot, there's nothing. So forget about it. And I'm saying that to say that love is a two-way street. So you can't just get up. You, you love somebody, you are having ideas, you see him, you are skipping in the fields with him. Hey, he's not skipping anywhere. It's your imagination. And you don't have to let it rule you. The Bible says, taking every, talk, every thought captive to the obedience of... You can't let your thoughts wander anywhere. And it's not love, it's lust. And the world is full of that. And you probably have come with it from the world. And your mind is not renewed. Marriage is a love, it's a two-way thing. So you can't fall in love with me and then I'm not interested. From your head to your toe, there's nothing. <laughs> Can that work? He didn't get married too for a long time. And the church used to use me because he's now very influential. I don't, I don't want to say what he does, but sometimes he has to do some things for the church. Then my husband will call me. Hey, why don't you call this guy? <laughs> he got married only a few years ago. But when I remembered that he was the youth leader of Buddhism, I felt that it doesn't matter. At least I've done my work. And he's now in... He, since I, we left school, I went to 
law school. He joined his working life. He joined Central Gospel. He's one of their elders now, doing very well. That's, I mean, I don't like you. That's it. <laughs> Is it spiritual to look frumpy? Because at London Apache, it is imposed on us to dress like old women. Hey! Some of you, your minds are linguistic. It is baffling. And it makes church very unattractive for some of us young ones. Please help. Please, may I ask what the... Is it the, the suit? Is it the suit? What, what, what type of dressing is it? Ah, you want to show your breasts and things. And you want to show your bum. That's not dressing like an old woman or a young woman. That's indecency. Amen. The Bible says that the women should adorn themselves with shamefacedness and sobriety. It says you should adorn yourselves modestly. And to be modest means that you are not just showing everything, just, you know. It says the younger women, the older women should teach them to be discreet. So discretion in dressing is important. You know, Pastor Fabian was saying at the Kodesh that some people, they work as secretaries to their bosses. And when the boss asks for bread and tea, they bring breast and tea. Because everything is showing and as they are pouring the tea, they want to pour the breast as well. So it has become breast and tea. So if dressing like an old woman is covering the parts that have to be covered, then so be it. We will not compromise the gospel. We will not compromise purity. We will not compromise holiness. We will not. In the name of Jesus. We will not bring the world into the church. So that people will just come and fall in the church. The church is the house of God. And we must do things properly. Amen. <laughs> Amen. They are asking whether this is an old lady. Hallelujah. I think the young people, Pastor Gino, the young people are allowed to wear jeans and things. So what is the old lady part? Please. Your body is a temple. It's not a kiosk. The Bible has a code of ethics. It has a way of dressing, just like in the courts. You can't dress anyhow to the courts as an attorney. You want to dress anyhow. No. And even when you appear in court and you are not in your black and white, in legal terms, you are told that you are naked. The judge can tell you, my Lord, he is naked, and I don't think he should be heard. You are not naked, though. You are wearing pink, or but you are supposed to be wearing white. It's a uniform, so you conform. 
everywhere in a bank. You can't say that I don't want to wear a suit. I want to wear a bikini to a bank. There's order even in places in the world. How much more the church of God? Amen. I think I can finish. I'm looking for a beloved, but everyone thinks I'm in a relationship with someone else who is a close friend, but we are not suited. What should I do? Don't be so close to him so that you don't spoil your chances. That's it. So please, the lady, I think you are not used to decent dressing. Just as you will not wear a bikini to work in a bank. You cannot wear just anything to the house of God. And we are not about to compromise. The world has compromised so much. We have brought the world into the church. I'm due to be married soon, and my beloved has a desire to become a missionary. I'm happy for him to follow his call. I just wanted to know what strategies could you suggest to help me. I'm a missionary's wife. It's a message that you can get. Road to ministry is a good one. And then even I'm a pastor's wife may help you. Is it okay for a Christian husband and wife to play Marvin Gaye? Best. I can't say don't do this or don't do that, but I can tell you something. That music, music has a very spiritual component and it can bring in all sorts of spirits. It can bring in all sorts of spirits in your home. And they are very romantic Christian songs by Tankard and people like that. They are very romantic Christian songs, so look for them. It will work. Amen. Is it bad for a woman to drink alcohol? The Bible says that strong drink, in the book of Proverbs, strong drink is raging, and they that are deceived thereby are not wise are not wise. So, I know that there may not be a hard and fast rule that don't drink alcohol, but the Bible doesn't say positive things about alcohol because when you lose control, and everybody starts with what is tolerable before you get to that place. So, we advise that don't, but God has not said don't drink, but he has very negative things to say about drinking. Yes, they give drink to him that is ready to perish so that he will see things and not even discern things properly. That's what the Bible says. Amen. For a while now, I'm feeling quite cold towards a sister in church. Anytime she approaches me, I am, I am taking aback. There's no reason that I could think of to explain why. I'm not in her ministry, but I agreed to help out. I've been in that ministry before with a different shepherd. But now it seems that she thinks that I'm fully in the ministry. Meanwhile, I'm feeling tense around her. And the instructions she gives me, I don't do them with a cheerful and willing heart. What do I do to heal the relationship? You say you are not in the ministry, so go to the ministry where you are. You know, and then 
work on your heart because maybe you just resent her, you just have an attitude, you just, it's not healthy. So pray, ask for a cleansing and change your attitude. Amen. My sister is in a relationship with a guy who continually tells people that there's nothing really happening between them. And this Ghanaian sister says, if this man doesn't marry her, she will not look elsewhere. They've been together almost five to six years now. <laughs> I'm worried for my sister. What can I do to help? Well, give her messages to listen to because six to seven years, he's wasting your time. And he says that there's nothing going on between them. So I advise her to just leave it. You've been plowing the ground down. It's not yielding anything. You can't see. Dear reverends, I always have lapses in my question time. I can't go for a whole month with a full monthly quiet time. What can I do? I can't go. I always have lapses in my quiet time. I cannot go for a whole month with a full monthly quiet time. Uh, what can I do? Um, I think that you can plan and structure your quiet time and put it in, make it an attainable goal, a realistic goal, something you can measure. Maybe if you would have made it one hour, make it 30. If you had made it 30, make it 15. And you may be able to have bite sizes of 15, 15, 15. That will add up because you can't always get the perfect time. Okay? I have a friend who has a beloved and they are being counseled about to get married soon. But she always talks about the fact that she's not sure of the guy. Please, can you advise this lady for me? <laughs> what is it about the guy that she's not sure about? She should speak to somebody. Purposes are established by counsel. And she should face what her fears are and decide whether to go on with it or not. Or maybe she just has cold feet about marriage. I don't know. If I accept the proposal of a brother from one of our branches, but in a different city, am I to move there after we are <laughs> Of course! I can sense he's going to pop the question soon and I'm ready to say yes. Yeah, I mean, husband and wife, you will usually be in the same place. So you decide where you want to live. You understand? But it's likely that you will join him. Or he could join you. But you have to decide what you want to do. Do you please, as a lady reverend, do you please officiate weddings? <laughs> if yes, can you officiate mine? <laughs> well, I just officiated a wedding, not a lighthouse wedding. No, I preached at a wedding last week. But I have been asked and I have not been able to meet that requests. There's even a sister here who asked me and I didn't do it. She's married now. So, but you can always try. You never know. Can someone kiss their beloved after their traditional marriage? <laughs> you see, you want God to say, do, don't, don't touch, don't this, don't that. That's not how the New Testament is. The Bible says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. God will give you a principle to live your life around. It's not like the Old Testament. Thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt not do this. The soul that sinneth shall die in the day that you do this. No. He usually gives you a principle to work around. So what you are doing, kissing. You say you are traditionally married. Can you stop there? The Bible also talks about uncleanness. So... Know how to possess your body. Amen. And if you've been traditionally married, then marry. So that you can do all the things you want to do. Somersault, go up, come down. 
What steps can I take in order not to be familiar with my husband? And I'm, I'm on the road to marriage, and one of my desires is not to be too familiar. The sin of familiarity is a message that you can get. And also to see him through the lens that God sees him through, so that you see the dual nature of your husband. I'm assisting a pastor, and I'm always praying to God to help me love this pastor as I love my spouse. But most of the time, it's very difficult for me. And really want this relationship between us to work. Both of us are female. What can I please do to love my pastor genuinely? She's older than me. And I'm, I'm, but I'm married and all that. Well, you just walk in love, isn't it? So it's hard for you. The fact that it's hard for you doesn't mean you don't have to keep on trying. You keep trying. The Bible says a man's gift makes room for him. When it was Mother's Day, did you buy her a gift? When it was Pastor's Appreciation, did you buy a gift? Even when it's not something, but just something, not something useless, but <laughs> something you want to bless her with, to show her that she has been a blessing to you. A gift will soften the ground and make room for you and decide that I'm going to love her. And it can happen. Amen. Amen. God decided that he's going to love you in spite of all your sameness. He came down from heaven and reached out to us. And even we rejected him sometimes, but his love has not gone away. So you do your part and leave the rest to God. Don't look for action and reaction. When I do this, she must do this. When she does this, I also do this. No. Have your own love walk and walk with it and it shall be well. How long can newlyweds go on honeymoon for? One year. <laughs> the reason why you are asking this question is because I said in the olden day, they said the man should go for one year. When you come one year, bills will be waiting for you. Bills, bills. <laughs> I think we re usually recommend in our marriage counseling, is it two weeks or one week? At least two weeks. But sometimes it's not practical like uh, uh, Kate and, and Will. It may not be practical, so you come back to work and do the honeymoon later. All that is part of it. Amen. You Christians of today, you are blessed. I didn't have any honeymoon, but I'm here and happy. You are a woman who has a call of God on your life. Your beloved is spiritual, and at the moment, the both of you are spiritually equal. Wow. You feel God wants to take you to a higher place in ministry. He, however, does not have a burden or desire to go higher in ministry. How would you advise this couple? Run your own race. Run your own race. You say God wants to take you to a higher ministry. How do you know that? Or maybe you desire more to know God more and to be deeper. Seek it, and God will bless you for it. Look, when we stand in heaven, there's no Mr. and Mrs. Bishop. There's no even Mr. and Mrs. Adam. He said, Adam, what have you done? He said, the woman you gave me. The punishments are different. Adam, by the sweat of your face, Eve, through childbirth, you shall do this. The Satan will be on your case and all that. So we all work out our own salvation. Marriage does not take away your individuality. It does not take away what you like, what you desire, and what is of interest to you. All those things exist. So it is like a set, two sets, you know, circle like this. One overlaps and one has still the individual components. I'm not very good at maths, but you have made me. Venn diagram. Who said I don't know? Although I didn't like math. <laughs> my husband had a child with another girl when I was having my second child. 
I forgive him, but sometimes I feel like I didn't really forgive him. Help me. I love my home, mom. Forgiveness does not always happen in a go. Forgiveness can be a process. But it should be a progressive process. That it should be getting better and better as you go along. And then sometimes when things happen, we don't allow ourselves to be healed. How do I know that? The Bible says about Rachel, Rachel refusing to be comforted for her children. So sometimes something bad has happened to you, but you are refusing to be comforted. You are refusing to be healed. You are refusing to recover, you know. So now you say that you have forgiven him, but you have not forgiven him fully. I say that you must move towards closure. And the way to move towards closure is go to a place all by yourself. And tell God how you feel about your husband. And imagine that he is sitting there. And allow all the things that you feel to come out. You know? Tell God, I think he's such a foolish man. I think he's really hurt me. And Lord, I don't even trust him anymore. I feel so betrayed. I feel so let down. God, sometimes I want to give him a few knocks. Be real with God. And as you pour out your heart, healing will begin. And one thing, leave the things at the altar. Don't go back with it. And if anything leads you there, hmm. so he really did this. I wonder what his child is doing now. You know, women, we can... I wonder what his child... So, when he was sleeping with her, what did he tell her? So all those things are not helpful to you. Think about the things that will help you on your road to recovery. And I believe that you will be blessed. Amen. I think I'll end here. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi. Or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.